0: Hello, my name is Christine Murray, Editor-in-Chief of The Developer, and welcome to The Developer Podcast, where we talk about how to design and develop cities worth living in, which often has to do with the spaces between the buildings, as much as the buildings themselves. Today we're talking about Liverpool Waters, a massive 60-hectare site in downtown Liverpool that's going to be transformed over the next 25 years. After 10 years in planning, these £5 billion of former Docklands are going to be transformed into 2 million square feet of mixed-use development, including five new neighbourhoods, the Isle of Man ferry terminal, a cruise liner terminal, and Everton's proposed stadium at Bramley Moor Dock. I spoke with Ian Pollitt, Assistant Project Director of Liverpool Waters at Peel, to talk about what makes a great place and his ambition for this visionary project in Liverpool.
1: My name is Ian Pollitt, I'm the Assistant Project Director for Liverpool Waters. I've been involved with the project for over 12 years. I was initially um, involved with the Prince's Dock development with Mersey Docks and Harbour Company. 12 years ago, Peel acquired um, Mersey Docks and Harbour Company and I moved over to Peel. And we had an initial vision to develop out Prince's Dock, which is about a 30-acre site on the edge of the city centre. Um, When Peel got involved our chairman's vision was to create a a waterfront to the world and the intention was then to extend that project from 30 to 150 acres. So the site at the moment starts from the pier head and runs north for about a mile and a quarter. Um, The consent we secured in 2013 was just short of 20 million square feet of mixed use development. Um, the site consists of five neighbourhoods, Prince's Dock being the first. And over the next 20 to 5 to 30 years, which is the, cons- the period we have the consent for, the development will 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 take place. Obviously, the natural progression of the project would be to start at the south end on the pier head and move north. That 30-year plan today, with all the activity I have on site, is probably looking. More like a 20 year plan because um, we've now got that momentum. There's a lot of interest um, just seeing cranes on site and some of the big projects like the cruise liner and the proposed Isle ferry terminal, and the interest from Everton Football Club. These are really big projects that raise the profile of the development and get people talking about it. So, over the last um, sort of 12 to 18 months, the interest in the development, p- predominantly from residential developers, has just gone crazy.
0: So tell me a little bit about what it's going to be like, let's, let's fast forward to that vision in 20 years, what kind of a place will Liverpool Waters be?
1: Well the, the vision was oh, oh, a, a built out Liverpool Waters would have different neighbourhoods, would have different fields, the last thing we want is for the whole area to be the same. Um, certain parts of the site have more restrictions than others, some of them sit in the World Heritage Site which we have to be respectful of, others sit in the buffer zone and others sit outside. So obviously different areas will have um, different fields. Some will be high-rise, some will be low-rise and some will be mid-rise. Obviously with the developments like the cruise liner terminal, um, that will bring people into the site. We also within the scheme have um, identified a site for a cultural building. We don't have any specific plans for that site, um, but you only have to look at Media City where we have the Imperial War Museum, the Lowry, these are some sort of projects where, as the development comes further out of town, we need some sort of key, so the driver to bring people into the centre of the site. People's perception of the upper waters is it's round full of skyscrapers, that's clearly not the case and the images that you know, we'll share with you today, you know, you'll, you'll see that for yourself. Um, obviously within the scheme as well there's a, a, a ten acre park. Um, which would be a private park, owned, managed and controlled by Peel Property. Um, Peel Landed Property are the controllers of the whole area. We'll manage all the public realm, with one exception, which is the new road that is currently being constructed, which will bring people into the site up to the boundary of the proposed uh, Alaman Ferry Terminal. And that, that's been funded jointly um, by the Combined Authority, um, and we've worked very closely with Liverpool City Council And that project is a 12-month contract, um, which also brings infrastructure into the site as well. So this is a project we've been working on for over three years. And as you join us today, you know, literally that project started two weeks ago. Um, The Isle of Man ferry terminal, which is another exciting project, is due to go in for planning next week. We're also working on a, a project to put a district heating system within Liverpool waters. Obviously there's two phases, there's the, the full scheme and phase one. Phase one would serve, um, would sit within the proposed new park and would serve all the developments um, south of that, which takes you in all the existing buildings in Princes Dock. The building that we're in today, number 12, Princes Parade, they're all of an age where the, um, the plant machinery need replacing. So Peel Energy, who's a Peel company, would um, provide that um, service. So obviously we've got commitments from the Peel buildings that we own and manage, but we're also talking to the Isle of Man, the City Council's um, proposed cruise liner terminal. Um, And obviously there will be a hotel linked to the cruise liner terminal. Um, And at the moment on site we've we've got the best part of over 1,200 residential units being constructed uh, at the moment in five different developments. Roughly about 700 of those apartments are PRS to rent. And the others are traditional to buy
0: so can you tell me a little bit about how it connects into the city in terms of how people will be coming in and leaving the site at various points along
1: obviously the site's a mile and a quarter in length it's a long narrow site um, on the edge of the city center so it's really important that we you know we have a, a clear movement strategy through the site through the park um, obviously with the discussions with everton football club um, which we, you know, we've exchanged contracts with Everton, and the, the process is now involves planning and securing funding, which is something obviously we're not, we're not involved on the funding side of it, but on the planning side, obviously we've taken a number of projects through Liverpool Water, so we work very closely with Everton to hopefully achieve that consent. But obviously the nature of that development would see large numbers of people moving through the site, so it's really important that that movement strategy works also important um, as well as footpaths, the cycle paths and obviously road infrastructure and also we're working with Mersey Travel to make sure all the roads that we're designing work and the sweeps work for, for buses and whatever so it's really important to get that right um, through the site.
0: What, what for you makes a great piece of city?
1: I always look at some of the developments Peel have done in other cities, um, Media City is a good example where we've created, we're part way through creating a town in itself. Um, it's really important to have quality and that it's well maintained and that's really important to us. All the buildings that you see down here today that are within Peel's control are all managed by Peel. The multi-storey car parks run and managed by Peel. Um, the infrastructure for, for the site, even we touched on the district heating system, is a Peel company that would manage that process so it's, it's having that um, confidence in the structure that's in place that's really important to developers when they come in that they know that the, the infrastructure is there but also there's a, a, a good management team for us we always say when we sign up a tenant for one of our buildings we don't sort of disappear and then a management company steps in you still deal with the same people who signed you up and that follows through to the residential developments and suppose PRS is, you know, we, it won't all be PRS, but to have PRS down here, the developers who come in, they're thinking long term, they're not looking to just build, sell and move, out, move on here, they are looking to be on site for the next 20 years, so it's really important to them that they've got a really well managed building, once they step out the front door, that what goes on around that building is well managed. So there's real synergies there working together with that type of developer and Peel, saying that we couldn't just fill Liverpool Waters with PRS residential, there will always be a mix. The consent for Liverpool Waters could, allows us to build up to 9,000 residential units.
0: And then in terms of retail or what's happening at the ground floor, because with the rental sector you, you you don't want vacancy, obviously that's something that's really important to them, and I'm assuming for the tenants they want a place where they can do their shopping and they can get, um, and a certain amount of uh, retail kind of needs to go with that. to. To support the, the the rental sector, so in the
1: first phase, Liverpool Waters, obviously, we've got three PRS schemes coming forward in in what is already an established area, and it also already within that area, we have coffee shops, we've got restaurants, health clubs within the um, residential developers that are there today, and also within the Malmaison Crown Plaza hotels as well. But obviously, the nice thing with control in the area, and it, and it benefits the developers as well. That we want to make sure all three developers don't come along and all put a coffee shop in there it's important that we get the mix right look into the bigger picture obviously when you get into central docks um, if you you look at our consent for liverpool waters we've got consent for over a million square feet of retail that was initially made up of the ground floor of virtually every block within uh, liverpool waters and there's over 88 plots Um, but now we've entered into a more detailed sort of um, master planning exercise. We're now homing in, we've brought in retail agents, and, you know, to just have that much retail, we'd end up with loads of boarded up units, which would, it's just not right. So we've identified an area where there will be a high street, and um, this would run along parallel to where the park is going to be relocated, uh, be located, and that's, um, that process has started now. So obviously we haven't even started to develop out that area yet we've got interest with other interested parties for residential developments sort of north of where the new roads going in so that's you know that's an opportunity for us and when we spoke to the retail agents they they admitted to us they never get brought in this early in a, in a process so it, they've really got an opportunity to have an input into the layout and that's the exciting part of the, of the development and I'm obviously going through that process um, our discussions with Everton, Obviously, evolving as well, and we touched on before about the movement strategy through the site. That will also there'll be benefits there as well. It's also important to to activate the water space within Liverpool waters. So, we're looking at a number of projects whether it be walkways across docks to actually um, developments within the water, not large developments. And the major, you know, one of the projects we're looking at at the moment is to create a, a floating sort of retail area similar to like a box park type effect, and that's something we're talking to a couple of developers with at the moment, which is, is a small project in the bigger picture, but it's, it's something that's really important to us. The other important thing is for the development to be part of the, the, the North Liverpool, it's one of the most, probably well, one of the most deprived areas in, in Liverpool, not the country. It's an area that's also been promised lots over the years, and the Project Jennifer, there's a number of other projects that have been talked about for many years. And if you you come here today, Project Ennefer is happening. The roads that run alongside our development and the next road further up are being upgraded. All the infrastructure is going in. We have the new um, Titanic Hotel within you know, the Harcourt development, Stanley Dock, um, and that's really um, really exciting development. And there's a large residential development there, which is is moving on. There's over 600 units there. Um, obviously, we're talking to Everton Football Club. The Liverpool Water scheme, which sits in North Liverpool, is is happening. New road infrastructure is going in there as well. So this area is starting to come together really well. And the other exciting thing is what runs parallel to Liverpool Waters is is a number of ownerships which the city have called Ten Streets, which is a, a project to look at that whole area and see how it can be sort of developed, brought forward learning from mistakes in other parts of the city. Um, We see this as um, complementary to Liverpool Waters and we fully support it. Our master planning team sat down with the city's master planning team and normally have projects of this scale alongside each other, there's an element of competition and because there isn't in this case we've worked together so well and both projects just dovetail together and obviously the glue in that is the city council and the local councillors, we work with the local council, Joe Hanson, um, and we meet up with them regularly. Um, what we do as well is really important is to bring all the developers together because what we've found is people get excited about other activity. So we set up uh, about two years ago, a process called collective meetings. And in those meetings, we bring along the city council. So you'll we'll have the head of highways, head of planning, head of regen, um, as well as all the developers, obviously peel come peel energy and we invite everyone to the table and we give an overview of what's happened since the last meeting each developer has to stand up and give an update to all the other teams we encourage those developers where possible to share some of the mistakes they've made to make sure no one else makes that we obviously oversee all of the schemes um, and it's really important that we work to help them so we have a a core team of consultants who deal with planning, heritage, um, landscape design and they are the sort of guardians of the project so they work with all the developers and they become the glue to make sure two buildings alongside each other marry up because it's not just the buildings it's the space between the buildings um, both for wind assessments but just to create a community we've got to get it right um, because once these projects are finished those areas will come back to Peel and they'll be for us to manage and maintain. So it's important that we get it right. But what it also does is it it, it sort of um, excites the developers who are already signed up by seeing other developers coming along and they start the process. And it just gives them a feeling that, you know, this is a place to be. All the developers that we've got on site who are building at the moment have expressed interest to do further developments with us. I'd like to think partly because it, it is a project that's moving forward but also they feel comfortable with the, the, the team that we have and, and the whole process. So by the time a project goes in for planning, it will have gone through a conservation management board which Historic England sits on, so we deal with any heritage issues, we have a design review panel and we have a coordinating panel. The coordinating panel is chaired by the council responsible for regeneration and we see that as our a, a, a way of updating the city council of what's, what's happened in the last three months and we work very closely with those. Those those processes mean when a planning application actually lands with the council, um, it's virtually, there's, there's no issues, because we've dealt with it through the various committees. So that gives everyone confidence that they're working together. And then in the collective meetings, they get a really good steer from the various heads of the council that what they're doing is going in the right direction. Sometimes you hear people can uh, develop, architects normally sort of, they they listen to what they are, the, the planning department, they, they come up with a scheme that they think is what will satisfy, but to have these sort of, where you can bounce ideas off each other in an informal um, basis, it's been really successful. And it's something, uh, we, we intended to create one for each neighbourhood, but we decided not to and keep um, just one collective meeting because um, you know probably the last three projects came forward was, was Everton. We bid for the Commonwealth Games, well, Liverpool was a city bid, so we worked together with the city in Everton, and you know we were part of the bid team there. And every time we had a collective meeting, developed, the existing developers would ask us, you know, every time we come to these meetings, there's another project. And when we announced Everton, they sort of said, how can you top that? And the next meeting, we were telling everyone how we'd bid for the Commonwealth Games. Um, <laughs> And that, that's the way this sort of project's going at the moment, um, there's so much interest and it's just a really exciting time to be involved with the project. And obviously for me, being involved from day one, this is the fun side, this is the, where things are coming out of the ground, you know, every day there's, there's three cranes on site, you know, potentially in the next one months it'll be up to um, five or six cranes, so it's a really exciting time.
0: So um, it has been, had its bumpy moments, certainly the, the UNESCO conversation um, which is around uh, th- really the view to the Three Graces and the relationship to historic Liverpool and I, I guess how are you, you working with that because it's clear that you know your relationship with um, the council and the planners and in working to create this place, how do you reconcile that with the the external pressure to really um, support, raise the profile or maintain that, that um, historic waterfront?
1: Well firstly, there's a the misconception that Peel and Historic England uh, are at loggerheads with each other. We have an excellent relationship. We just touched on the, collect- the, the um, conservation meetings that we have. So we meet with them on a regular basis. We share with them all the projects. The bottom line is the, the site sits partly within a World Heritage site. Peel, myself, care passionately about our World Heritage Sites. I'm from Liverpool and I'm proud of of that status and I don't want to lose that status. Um, We've worked very closely with Liverpool City Council, the conservation um, societies in the area um, and we regularly work with local small um, companies in the area to help with development in that sort of area and we have excellent relationships um, with all of those bodies. And obviously the process that we're going through we've had three visits from UNESCO ICOMOS um, the last meeting went really well we, we, we presented the scheme the scheme has been varied um, partly to address some of those concerns but also it was so high level and done so long ago the master plan it naturally evolves over time and the works that we've done to to um, amend that scheme is, as Gone, has been well received by Historic England, um, but this is a long-term process, you know, we've, we're on the at-risk register um, for, for both Liverpool Waters and other projects in the city, so it's not just a Liverpool Waters thing. Um, I think we, some of the people involved in that process, including myself, get a bit frustrated sometimes, because as we all care, and you only have to look at the stats for Liverpool's Liverpool City and the amount of heritage buildings that are being restored. These aren't the stats of a, of a city that don't care about the heritage. We care passionately about the heritage, and obviously the challenges we have going forward with the Everton Stadium is something that you know is we're, we're realists, and and there are there are issues there. We're, we're confident that we can the relationships we have with those organisations that we can work together. Um, obviously. Um, the process for Everton um, will become more clear. They've currently engaged in a, a fan consultation at the moment. That's happening as we speak, um, and obviously we, we'll be working with them over the next you know, few months to take forward proposals. There's no set dates at the moment for when planning applications will be going in for stadiums, but clearly there are there are other issues. You know, the heritage being one that needs to be addressed. Of obviously the issue of funding. The development, which is between Everton and whoever's funding the stadium, um, but you know it's it's a really exciting project. We 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 also liaise quite regularly with there's a, an organisation which is the chairs of all the UK World Heritage cities, and they've engaged with us. They've we've presented our proposals. They think what we've done is a is a massive step forward, a positive step forward, and um, only time will tell.
0: So you mentioned the kind of um, deprivation in the surrounding area, and that um, I think often with these new places, there is the fear of, of gentrification. I mean, in this sense, there isn't an area there. So it, where you're actually building, it's historic docklands, but there is, I guess, an edge to that community. Um, so I wondered if you could talk about that, that um you know, you've talked how you are trying to work to make sure that the the benefits of this are are felt in that community. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could talk a little bit about the feelings in that community and and how you see um, the kind of socio-economic opportunity and challenges of developing uh, this piece of city.
1: Well firstly, the the um, the eastern boundary of the site is is blocked off by a large wall. That wall is the boundary to the World Heritage Site. It was built to stop people getting in, pinching goods, because it was obviously an operational port then. Obviously that wall is listed and the development respects that listing. The, the proposals coming forward, we do show two smaller um, holes being created in the wall to, to make the site work for, for traffic purposes. But if that wall wasn't there and we were looking to build that wall, everyone would clearly be up in arms that we were trying to create a, a gated community. So where possible, we are looking to physically break down the wall, but also I think we're already breaking down the wall in just relationships with the people. So we touched before on 10 Streets, 10 Streets is really the buffer to existing residential rather than ourselves, and that's why it's important that the two projects work together. Again, working with the local councillors, it's really important to get them involved I was very proud when Liverpool Waters uh, obtained planning permission because we engage with the local communities a lot, we do a lot of activities down there and when we actually went for planning permission a number of those people came forward and spoke in favour of the project and personally I'll never forget that and um, we we go out of our way way to work with them as an organisation or the North Liverpool business community and we regularly attend their their, um, breakfast, they meet every Thursday and we want to once or twice a year we'll go along and give them an update and we we basically do a presentation if we were pitching a site to a developer and it's just our way of sort of thanking them but clearly as the development starts and it is now starting now with development activity on the site they will feel the benefits of that one of our big neighbours which is literally a five minute walk from Liverpool waters is the construction department of the City of Liverpool College I'm a governor of the college and um, I, I promised, this has got nothing to do with planning, this was just doing the right thing that we promised once contractors, whether they're working for Peel or other developers come forward, we would bring them to the college and the college has then worked with those organisations, those con- um, contractors and at the moment we've got a number of um, people going through the college doing apprenticeship training courses um, and that's something that has grown. They, it's always hard, it's the first contractor to get them involved, they've got involved, and then the word spread how, how the college has helped them. Now we have a number of large contractors, the most recent one being Beijing Construction, who, who are one of the biggest construction companies in the world, have um, now engaged with the college. And it, it's really exciting times. And to partly, on a logistical side, to deal with so much activity, especially in Princes Dock, we're trying to create a contractor's village further north in one of the open areas of land and that would be to use for car parking and storing materials but also within that area that's where the college is going to have a a classroom stroke marketing suite and that is something we're working with the government they've secured funding for half a million pounds um, to bring forward a development Um, that would enable all the developers who come through the site can use them as a one-stop shop and obviously if they need training, literally the college is an eight minute walk away. So it's really exciting and we're already people, local people are getting jobs and what I'm quite excited about is people now, they'll they look at the college and they look at the, doing an apprenticeship through the college and because of the links with Liverpool Waters, which is you know such a massive project, it's there's an opportunity, they see, the, the, there's jobs at the end of this, it's not just... Um, box ticking exercise, you know, we've we've got people who've got jobs from the college, which today is, we're only talking two or three, but the process has started because we've only really started developing, you know, in a year's time we could have 600, 700 contractors on site and that's just with the developments we know today. So we're really, it's really important for us to to have um, those contractors brought into this process. And we also will do whatever we can to include the the local businesses that are literally just the other side of the road. It's it's difficult to some ways when they're not our contractors, but in this process where we're helping them with the training, we found that they've been quite receptive. So we'd be sort of suggesting, you meet the buyer events. Um, And this is hopefully our way of sort of thanking and paying back the the smaller businesses in the area and communities who've supported us. and, you know, we've, we're always prepared to go out and talk to these people and, and listen to what they have to say. And the scheme's evolved. There's been issues that have been brought to our attention, and I'd like to think, when possible, we, we've addressed those concerns.
0: You mentioned the cruise terminal, and there's, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 tourists, you know, docking mm. in, in, in Liverpool and going off for their day trip um, in 20 years' time. What's the uh, Liverpool Waters Instagram moment? What are they going to be taking pictures of? Do you hope? Well,
1: I hope they're p- taking a picture of a fantastic football stadium with a fantastic promenade. You know, this project's going to add the existing promenade along the waterfront from Otterspool to the Pier Head. On the back of this development, will extend by another mile and a quarter, um, and part of that last mile and a quarter, you'll be walking past what I, I, I know will be high quality. Buildings. You'll be walking through different um, neighborhoods, which will have different feels. You know, we touched on before this potential the cultural building. Today, we've got no plans. I don't know what it will be. I'd like to think that is going to be something really special. You know, we want to uh, we want to deliver our chairman's vision, which was to create a waterfront to be proud of. Um, and obviously, with the cruise ships coming in, Liverpool Waters is our front porch. So it's it's got to look nice. Now it doesn't mean. Other cities, some fantastic cities, you can sail into, and you'd be berthed on a steel berth or a coal berth. So, and Barcelona being a good example, but you know, Barcelona is a beautiful place. In Liverpool, you you're berthing right on the pier head. So, the reputation we've got already is, you know, a lot of the the cruise industry love Liverpool and like coming to Liverpool, and Liverpool's a city. I think if you were coming on a cruise to start it or end in, in Liverpool, you'd stay a couple of days before because it's a city that you can go and do things. There are other places where you'd probably just want to get in the car, drive in and get on the cruise line of terminal, get onto the cruise ship. But in Liverpool, I'm hopeful, and that will see hopefully more hotel developments and um, will, will pop up around the developments as well.
0: Ian takes me on a walk to a nearby car park to have a look over the site and see the work that's already taking place there. Okay, so tell me about where we are and where we're going.
1: Right, we're standing on the pedestrian footbridge in the centre of Prince's Dock. We're just crossing over to directly in front of us. You can see the start of the work to remove a section of the original dock wall, purpose being to link um, Prince's Dock into the city centre. And obviously, once, once the cruise liner terminal's finished, that will be a natural um, movement of people through the site. So their first experience of Liverpool when they get off the cruise ships will be Liverpool waters.
0: And they have the view of the Liver Building. Will they still have a view of the Liver Building? They will always
1: have a view of the Liver Building. It's a protected view. um, and It's a view we're proud of Um, and obviously if if you look north obviously you can look down the site through Prince's Dock and um, you can see Alexandra Tower to the left on the waterfront in front of that. Is the timber jetties where the new cruise liner terminal will be based, and behind the building is where the new Alaman ferry terminal will be located.
0: So, um, where are we going now?
1: Right. I thought we'd go to the top of the multi-storey car park. This is a Peel and Property run and managed facility, and I thought we could go on the top, and we can look down the site, and we can see all the all the development projects.
0: So, when these um, these future Uh, tourists arrive and they come right into Liverpool waters what are you what are you hoping their reaction would be what is the character that you think they'll experience in this neighborhood it's
1: important that the first thing they they experience is quality and a welcoming environment Um, because obviously as I said this will be their first glimpse of Liverpool so we've got to get it right Um, I think appeals track record and you look at media city and other developments you do we do public realm is is very important to us and we always demand that it's a very high spec
0: and the water obviously this dock I mean it's it's part of a historic uh, well really the idea of Liverpool the Albert Dock the Princess Dock Yeah,
1: a a third of the whole of the area of Liverpool waters the 150 acres is water and it's obviously a key part we have the Leeds Liverpool Canal runs through the scheme so regularly we can have anything from 15 to 20 canal barges coming through we have activity on the water. We have water polo events take place here, so it's used quite a lot. So the last thing we want is just to have vast tanks of empty water with nothing happening in them.
0: So tell me what I'm looking at. What what can I see?
1: Yeah, but we're now on top on the top floor of the multi-story car park. We're looking down into Prince's Dock. You can see in front of you the three office buildings. We've got about two hundred and about two hundred fifty thousand square feet of Grade A office space. Um, it's all fully occupied. Um, and we're we're now actively looking to potentially do an office development, another scheme within Liverpool Waters. Um, To the left of us, you can see the the pier head, and you can see on the corner plot there, this is where the current existing cruise liner terminal is. This is a temporary facility um, where they deal with all the baggage handling and car parking.
0: And And that that, will be uh, replaced with a different facility? Yeah, that's a piece
1: of land. For the last eight years, Peel have gifted that to the city, and that's enabled the city to run the facility. That has grown from nothing to the best part of 65 cruise ships a year. Um, When the new facility is complete, which is on the timber jetty to your right, um, that would free up this corner plot, which is probably one of the, the best sites in Liverpool. And um, you know we'll, we've not got round to looking at that site, but it would inevitably be some sort of mixed-use development. But as I say, it's probably the best site in Liverpool.
0: So I was mentioning um, looking at your plans for the site. You had. Uh, there's a number of new streets in, in your development. It's not an all-pedestrian in Liverpool waters. It, is, it does have residential streets and parking. Um, so wh- what's been your approach to, to car use? There's huge changes going on in, in the way that people are driving or not driving or Uber and all of this disruption. How are you planning for this future place?
1: Well, it goes right back to when we started the project. Just the thought process 10 years ago to today has probably changed. Um, and built within the planning consent, there are reviews of transport and, and in and outside of the site. Even the last iteration of the, um, uh, the master plan that we're looking at at the moment has seen virtually all underground parking removed. And that's a reflection on our views that inevitably there will need to be some car parks built. The positive from a heritage point of view is obviously we won't be disturbing anything below ground which is a positive Um, and I say it really will be picked up with this review and um, some of the works that will need to be over time with the great work the City Council have done in securing funding Um, if you're trying to come in and out of the city at the moment there's roadworks all around the city and although it's slightly disruptive even when you're stuck in the queue you realise that for the greater good in, in two years time all that infrastructure is going to be in place and these are things that when we sat down years ago, the worry was, you know, where's the money going to come to fund some of these big highway infrastructure works? So, again, credit to Liverpool City Council and their team, and obviously assisted by the combined authority who provided the funding. Um, you know, we're, we've got, I think the last, last time I heard was a number in the order of £145 million worth of works taking place outside of Liverpool waters, and obviously. The Council, the Combined Authority, have helped us with work within Liverpool waters and, you know, there's a best part of over £20 million worth of road infrastructure coming into the site. One is the road I mentioned before to the the new Alleman ferry terminal and to the right, just outside the boundary, this area is called the King Edward Industrial Estate. This wasn't owned by Mersey Docks and Harbour Company when Peel acquired the company. We bought this in about a year later, so this is now within our control. And, and there's
0: some historic uh, warehouse buildings further yes, along. Yes, they're,
1: they're outside of our ownership and, At- and don't affect it. But these, these low-rise industrial units, Yes. so as part of the cruise liner terminal, one of the roads that will be built will be a new link road coming from um, the junction just outside of Liverpool Waters through into Liverpool Waters, so it would come through the industrial estate and link back into the cruise liner terminal, which sits on the waterfront.
0: And you see this industrial estate as being redeveloped at some point.
1: At some point, obviously, the, initially there'll be the units that are affected by the road. Um, but as you can see, we, we've got you've got plenty land, to get on with. Yeah, yeah. and um, <laughs> that doesn't mean we we won't. But the focus more is on sort of coming out of Prince's Dock and going north into Central Docks up to the Northern Docks, Bramley Moor, where. We hope Everton will be um, at their new stadium.
0: It's quite a busy road that you have bordering the site up on yeah. this end. Is that a challenge to to feel like you can bridge into the city? It is, on that side? and
1: again, this is another thing which the city are working on. They have aspirations to reduce the width of the strand from four lanes in each direction to two, which is something you know would take would make a massive difference to the reducing of the the crossing and the and the travel time into the city centre would be improve substantially as well so again that's something where i believe funding's in place to do the works it's just a case of there's so many other building road works happening that certain works can't happen till all the roads have reopened so i, I don't envy the um, highways department it seems to be a, a jigsaw or trying to put all these projects together <laughs> but um, it's fantastic that you know you know all this infrastructure's going in so you know when it'll all be forgotten about in three or four years time when it's all in um and you know what well, everything's there then for both the peel scheme and ten streets um to 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 go forward
0: and we can see your historic listed wall yes. um, which you're going to be hopefully um, actually making some necessary um, insertions in to, to connect into the city um how much is um how much has that been uh i guess uh, both a, a challenge uh, in terms of um, in terms of knitting the scheme in?
1: Well it's there, it's part of the scheme, it's, it's part of what has been there since Peel took over the site um, and all the projects are respectful of the wall and all the projects take advantage of it. We, we've made one opening in the wall and we're, we are now in the process of carrying out repair and maintenance work so, to maintain that wall. So the stretcher wall we're looking at now, which is in Prince's Dock, you know, what? what's there today will be there in 20 years time. Obviously, we've just talked about the opening, and the wall that we're building now for the, to link back to the city. But apart from that, you know, we've already got, as you can see, existing openings and they will be adequate for, for this development. As we go north, again, we, we create one additional opening and utilise all the other existing openings.
0: I think what strikes me standing here is the scale of it. There's a lot of, I mean, these are not small docks. That's a lot of water yes. and it's just, it's just huge. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, do you ever wake up in the morning and think, oh my goodness, how the heck are we going to do this massive um, piece of city? <laughs> I
1: think I think the day after we secured planning permission, we thought that, but um, you know, standing here today with the interest we've got, um, you know, 30-year plans, suddenly looking like 20, 20 25 year plans, um, and with the interest, you know, the interest is in the site, you know, there's people queuing up to be involved in the scheme, which is, is fantastic. So, um, no, uh, my frustration is that there's not enough hours in the day, to be honest, to, to do all the developments we'd love to do, but... Um, We've got to do it right, and also you've got to manage um, the construction sites. And don't forget, while all this construction work is taking place, we've got all these office buildings, we've got a cruise liner terminal, we've got four residential developments um, that we have to look after and keep them ticking while all these other things happen within the development. So it's it's a challenge, and we've increased our sort of on-site management, the Peel on-site management team, because it's a really it's really important to get get it right because. If it's not well managed, the place could grind to a halt. So we've got to be very careful that um, we coordinate, we're quite strict with the developers, we set rules and everyone needs to abide by them, whether it's having an area where deliveries come only at certain times to keep to ensure the roads that take you to, to the hotels and the car park are always clear. So there's a massive um, sort of on-site management uh, role as well, which again is undertaken by Peel.
0: So the, the size of it, I mean, it's really clear that it is going to change the character of Liverpool quite significantly. Maybe not the historic part of it, but it is going to create a whole new kind of Liverpool. How important is to you that in that quest to, to kind of enter the world stage and have that new um, like scale of, of offering, how important to you is that it, it, it still maintains a unique quality in the world?
1: Well, we're standing look to our left, we're looking at... One of the most famous waterfronts in the world, the Three Graces, with the Liver Building there, and you know it's it's a big responsibility for us to carry on. Um, th- those type of buildings can't be built now. You know they they're not going to be built now. That doesn't mean to say we can't put quality here. I think the developments, the three developments that are coming forward here, um, demonstrated that quality. The quality is there. I'm confident those developments in the PRS residential schemes they will be. The top end of the market these, these will be the residential developments people want to live in and also they will be comforted by what's going on around them both how well the site's managed and also be excited about other activities happening and you just can't be being on the waterfront. But as I said earlier on this is about linking you know we've got five neighbourhoods in this development and each will have its own separate feel. And as you travel through the site, we, you know, it's, we, we're, we're determined to make sure that there's a different feel in each area. So that will evolve over time. You know, the master plan that we originally achieved, by the time we get to delivering some of the northern end of the site, it'll be completely different to the master plan. But at the moment, that's, that's the vision and, and quality and managing of the estate is really important to us.
0: OK, well, that just leaves me to thank you for your time today.
1: It's a pleasure and thanks for showing an interest in Liverpool Waters. <laughs>
0: It hasn't been an easy road. UNESCO has threatened to strip Liverpool of its World Heritage Site inscription because of the project's overshadowing of the Three Graces on the historic waterfront. But the mayor has stood with Peel in a determination to see the project carried out. The cruise liner terminal and Everton Stadium would see a significant population arriving and leaving Liverpool waters. I met with Paul Berg, partner at Griffiths Armour, who've decided to put their offices in Liverpool Waters to talk about what drove them to put their offices here, what it's like, and where Liverpool as a city is going.
2: Okay, Holberg, partner at Griffin Armour, uh, it's, uh, here in Liverpool Waters, enjoying some visitors from
0: London. So, tell me about why your office is here. Well, we've...
2: Formed in Liverpool in the 1930s, and our headquarters always been in the city. Uh, but uh, just over a year ago, we decided it was time that we were expanding into space that was more suited to our needs and had as uh, so the real sort of structure that we were aiming for to help us improve the collaboration internally as well as what we do externally. Uh, we looked all over the city, and uh, this uh, area and development jumped out as the the one that fitted our needs perfectly
0: and there's Liverpool waters as it is today. So maybe describe what's here now.
2: Well, what you have here now is uh, a very, very modern and progressive area that, that, uh, going back, when I first came to the city 30 years ago, was a derelict wasteland. Um, the, the site we're on now, a uh, few of the members of staff used to park their cars here. Uh, now you've got this really impressive office building on a beautiful setting, on a live waterfront, uh, which is an, an active river uh, it's a, with everything that goes with that. So it's a fascinating uh, outlook to, to be able to enjoy, um, coupled with the facilities that we need as a modern, progressive business.
0: So tell me about what you've done in your office, how, do you, how does this differ to how you used to work before? Uh,
2: previously we were over five floors um, and what, what that meant is trying to build a collaborative culture was more difficult. Uh, we moved on to a single floor, floor space, uh, open areas, communal areas that we're sitting in now um, that, with a very bright outlook and I think uh, we've found that's helped uh, greatly in terms of morale, culture and also bringing to clients what they've come to expect from us in terms of the the quality of service. People in a healthy, positive frame of mind will deliver the best uh, for our clients. And, and that's what we've got.
0: And you're sitting in a neighborhood that isn't finished yet. It's got 20 years maybe to go. Absolutely. There's probably some things you wish were in it now. Who are, that aren't here yet that are coming? Yeah. Um, is what? A, what is? What is your on your wish list for it's, amenities?
2: It's like in any uh, location of this type, any city you've been to, uh, there there are some amenities, but the breadth of amenities that you have in an established city centre aren't here yet. Uh, so that presents some challenges. Um, but I think the balance of everything else uh, outweighs that. I think there's a lot of uh, really good. Uh, uh, restaurant and uh, facilities within the city that, that's changed massively over the last 20 years uh, so they, they're reasonably accessible, they are a two minute walk they're a five minute walk, so as long as you're prepared to make that that little sacrifice for the occasions that you need it uh, the rest is, is there, but I think uh, overall uh, the, the development has piece together a lot of the major uh, benefits there's some excellent hotels nearby so we've we've had a real increase in the number of visitors Uh, for years the idea of uh, traveling from London particularly north was a challenge now we have no problems at all getting our clients and our insurer partners and our legal partners coming to visit and they've got all the facilities that they need for visit on site so it's it's been a positive overall
0: you talked about changing the culture when you moved oh, yeah. so uh what's what what kind of culture do you think came with with I don't this think office we changed
2: the culture we evolved the culture i think in terms of w- what we always provided was that attempt to create a true deep relationship with our clients Um, and what we found is that the the whole collaborative working piece has to start internally to deliver well externally and I think we were looking to to improve what we had and I think just that proximity uh, the the fact that people can see uh, colleagues and uh, partners day to day, I think that's really increased that accessibility and engagement and I think that has been a major uh, positive for us
0: you work um, with development partners, you work alongside development, you work as part of yeah. the development process, and now you're kind of living Absolutely. in a development, and you've got that longer view. I mean, I think one of the questions um, probably I have about Liverpool Waters, and, uh, and as you're placed here, you, you might as well t- try to answer it, <laughs> yeah. is um, what an incredible scale of project, what an, what an incredible size of project how do you assess that in terms of risk which is kind of the business that you're in? Yeah.
2: I think it, it's it's a fascinating uh, model when you look at it in terms of risk because there's a, a diversity of approaches that apply. Um, and we look after 2,500 professional clients and the number of those firms that engage at different parts of the site at different points by the time it's complete will be fascinating. So we, we will have a vested interest in it. We hope we don't have to manage too many negative risk situations uh, as it goes through, but knowing what we know, you can't rule that out as a possibility but I think that in terms of an, an overall strategic plan, I think the levels of engagement that have taken place uh, seem to have started very positively and uh, when you look at what's here already uh, there's been a lot of challenges, been a lot of uh, risks uh, that have been successfully managed, not least some of the conversations before about the World Heritage Site and how this impacts on it. And I think uh, once once you have a better view and vision that uh, the people from, from Peel and Liverpool Waters have, have clearly explained, I think it, there is a harmony that's building around that. So it's real improvement in this part of the city when you look at where it was and where it intends to be
0: what do you um, think are the important things to consider if you want to have a resilient development
2: i think from from our perspective and a development of this length of time uh, will go through peaks and troughs in the economic cycle and and we're very familiar of what that creates in terms of tensions within relationships i think a very very mature established approach to that uh, is is a great thing the the having a client that's informed and understands the benefits of collaborating early and getting engaged with the supply chain, I think that, that makes a massive change in terms of the the overall. So so I think there's a there's a lot lot to be done. There's a lot of things that, that need to be addressed and but the idea of coordinating the phases uh, is is critical because a lot of risks exist at the interfaces. So if you're managing those transitions well and if you're looking at one building or one set of uh, infrastructure, that interplay with other parts needs careful coordination and that's that's part of where the, the client role is critical in this.
0: And don't bite off more than you can chew? Is it better to kind of do very careful parceling? Um, I
2: think it will depend client-to-client, and and it's resource-based, isn't it? And resource and communication lines, You know, a a lot of risk uh, arises through a lack of communication and a lack of integration. And I think if you can uh, solve those uh, day-to-day human issues, then you, you go a long way to minimising the potential The reality is risk will always exist in construction. Um, We've seen it from the days that we started in the 1940s and different levels and severity of risk are are being managed day to day. And I think when you you have a more mature outlook on how you're trying to uh, procure and you are taking that longer term view across a number of schemes, uh, you hope that harmonises some of those risks out of the equation.
0: And you don't want to not take risks because you need to be ambitious, you need to be visionary. I mean, this, if, this, if you're going to make a huge piece of city, there's always of going to be risk.
2: Of course there is, and, and uh, any society wants that advancement. And, and I think that's where we always see it's critical that, that there is appropriate risk advice and risk support. And, and that's where we fit in the overall matrix. We've, we've had long-term relationships with Mersey docks and harbours that go back. Uh, many years, we, the building we're in was designed by one of our clients, so, so there's a real linkage all the way through through things. So, so we we actually reviewed the agreements and appointments for this project many years ago, and here we are sat in the building now. So, so I think it's it's always great. Our, our views on life can often be uh, tainted by the experiences when risk manifests and there are claims. But so many projects are successfully procured and managed well, and it's great to be sat in one that that it was in that category
0: so strong relationships and, and good communication are really important in mitigating risk i'm hearing absolutely and then also i mean i uh, what's the relationship between creativity and risk because creativity is kind of a buzzword and it's often seen as a risky behavior yeah. um but also in, in, in a really vital part of of yeah. good business and good placemaking. so i mean what's your what's your view Personally,
2: uh, my, my view, I, I love great design. I love great design, and I think it's one of the great assets that our client brings to society overall. But uh, if you speak to insurers, they're always wary of new and innovative techniques that are unproven, untested, because by definition they bring risk. But many years ago someone said to me that every building is a prototype, no two buildings are the same, they may look the same, but the, the environment in which they're situated, the methodology of construction, all very different. And and I think when you look at uh, the, the built environment in that context, there always has to be advancement because even if you're doing the same thing, there are risks. Um, I advent a modular construction that will minimise the potential for certain aspects of risk, but then there are other downstream risks that, that flow as a consequence as well. So understanding that that approach, I think from, from our side, the key is being able to communicate those risks effectively to the professional risk bearers, the insurers, and that's the role that we play in this whole environment. It's for us to try and understand and communicate to get the best risk transfer outcomes for our clients.
0: I hear a lot of developers say to me, I want to work with new talent. I want to meet new talent. I want to bring in new talent. But new talent often doesn't have the same level of experience. Is there, is there something that you would speak to? I mean, the role of, of, um, of the connection between risk and and inexperience or in, in new talent?
2: I think new talent has to be harnessed. I, I don't think new talent, uh, unfettered, unchecked, would be a recipe for good risk management. I think there's so much risk management that is driven out of past experience and knowledge, uh, seeing, seeing the, the trip hazards before you come upon them. Uh, but I think in terms of uh, a lot of the most progressive firms that we work with, they, they do successfully harness that young talent within uh, an established environment, giving them a proper framework. And, and there, are, there are firms that they decide that uh, they need to be freer and they want to go and do their own thing and we do work with a lot of those as well and a lot of them really value the knowledge that we can impart uh, from the experience that we have managing a thousand claims a year and looking at 9000 construction contracts so that knowledge delivered in the right way uh, is a real asset for new firms starting up as well
0: so you've got your office here you're looking forward into the future what do you where do you hope your office is going to be based in the in 20 years time?
2: In 20 years time, I expect that we, we will be based somewhere in around Liverpool as a headquarters. Our business will have grown and uh, it may just be a coincidence that last year was our most successful year ever, in our first year in our new office, so we are very hopeful and optimistic that that trend will continue. Uh, I think you, the one thing we know in our business is uh, never try and overpredict tomorrow. Uh, we, we know a lot of lessons from the past, but I think 20 years' time, I expect us to be a highly progressive, successful business that's remained independent.
0: And do you have a view on the UNESCO heritage um, controversy? Do you think the liver birds are, are smiling or frowning as they look over Liverpool waters?
2: Uh, I hope they're smiling. Uh, I think in terms of the uh, overview there's obviously individual opinions on, on the whole thing but I think as a as a city when you take a UNESCO site it's a critical part of the city but it's very important that a city exists and evolves around a site of that nature and it should be dealt with uh, sensitively and, and objectively uh, I think it's It is a wonderful, wonderful environment at that UNESCO World Heritage Site. Anyone that goes to enjoy it uh, really does appreciate it. And I know when the cruise liners come in, the comments that you are landing in a World Heritage Site is something that really sets the city apart. And so so it has to be dealt with sympathetically. uh, But at the same time... uh, positive, managed, insightful development has to coexist with that, surely, if we're going to move forward at a society level.
0: Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by The Developer. Produced by Simon Mercer. With music by Fortet. I'm Christine Murray, and you can reach me on Twitter at TCMurray. For more podcasts, visit us at thedeveloper.live.